Welcome to the Be Bold in Business podcast. My name is Samantha Hearn and I'm the host of this amazing channel. I wanted to bring you a place where you hear from myself and other amazing inspirational business people on their journey to the success they've created. I wanted to bring you the offline journeys to the online successes that we see on social media. I want to create a place where you hear the struggles people have been through, the challenges, the lessons they've learned, the mistakes they've made, so that you know that ordinary people can create extraordinary things every single day, and that it's totally possible for you too. The Be Bold in Business podcast is a place where you are going to hear real, genuine, warts and all stories from some of the most exceptional people in business and how they succeeded anyway. If you are ready to show up in your business, if you are ready to be bold, if you are ready to learn from your mistakes, if you are ready to bounce back and become more resilient, this is the podcast for you. And me, Samantha Hearn, I cannot wait to welcome you, support you, empower and inspire you and share with you the stories that sometimes don't get shared online and give you this real refreshing approach on how building a business sometimes can be hard, sometimes involves failing, sometimes involves struggle, but you can still succeed anyway. So welcome to the Be Bold in Business podcast, and I cannot wait for you to take your invitation to be bold in your business too. So in today's episode, as always, we're going to be focusing on the offline story to the online success. And I think it's really important that you are always given access to people's stories and their journeys rather than just the highlights. So whatever you're seeing on social media, whatever you're looking up about successful role models in business, there's always a backstory and there's always things that you won't be aware of. And I think it's really important for you as an entrepreneur to have access to that so that you know that there isn't a quick win. It's not a race to the top and it's definitely not a competition. So in today's episode, we are going to be focusing on these things around how you create a positive journey to your success and keep going when things get tough. So we are talking to James Sinclair. Hello, if you could introduce yourself and tell us a bit about you. Hi, Samantha. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, I think, what they would call an entrepreneur. I'm um, insanely aggravated by not getting enough done. Um, I own a chain of day nurseries, indoor leisure centres, a couple of outdoor attractions, got quite a bit of property. I love helping entrepreneurs sort of success um, I've wrote some books, a keynote speak, which I think is where we met um, at one of the events that I spoke at. I've got 450 staff. We do about 12 million in revenue a year. We make about a million quid profit on our trading business. Um, we've got an extensive property business as well. Um, yeah, I want to do more. I always feel like I'm an underachiever, even though most people say, why are you saying that? Um, but I always feel like my potential is that I can always do more, give more, be more. Um, and so that's why I probably am that insanely frustrated person probably to be around as well. That's why I like hanging around with business owners and entrepreneurs because they're the, the rare breed of people that actually get that there are some strange people that are not doing this for money. Although that the money is a byproduct of what they create is they just keep going. And I look at people like Richard Branson at 70 years old is embarking on space tourism. He ain't doing it for the money. He's got so much money, he can't spend the bloody stuff. You know, he's got his own island, more planes than you can shake a fist at. And, you know, he continues to keep going, growing. I've heard he's just launched a cruise line company. You know, it's just the man doesn't need to do it, but he's obviously like most entrepreneurs 
entrepreneurs have a DNA of wanting to go and keep creating. And that's what I like doing. I love creating stuff. And and so I shall continue to do it. How's that for an intro? Is that enough? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I think for me, obviously, yeah, we met at um, an event and James was on the stage doing his thing. And if I'm honest, I hadn't heard of James before. And he got up and he was talking um, and very entertaining for sure. And I thought to myself, and I always do this actually, whenever I go to an event, if there's someone that I know that I want to connect with and my audience will know this, I will always make sure that I am known always. It's like my thing. I'm like, I have, they have to know who I am. So I asked a question and filmed it. And I was like, you know, I want to ask a question to you for my audience and get one piece of advice. But I want to be really honest about why I thought it would be good to talk to you. Yeah. When you meet people, especially, and I think including me, but definitely the people listening to this, you start a business and you feel like you're no one. You feel like you're starting at the bottom. You have nothing. You don't know what you're doing. It's overwhelming. And you go to events and everyone's there and they're, you know, oh, I, you know, I've built this and I've built that and I've got all of this money and it's so successful and it's great and I've got the cars and the houses and you sort of sit there thinking, how on earth am I ever going to get to that point? And you came on the stage and it was honestly just like a breath of fresh air, like a normal person having a conversation with people. It wasn't about you versus anyone it was just funny it was funny you know and you were so you made it seem which is something that I really stand for you made it seem like anyone if they are willing to try can create magic whatever that is whatever business you know you can create something and I'd like to just go right back and ask when you first started and you were this person that people just thought, what are you doing? This is just the most ridiculous thing. Get a job, be safe, have security. All of the things as society we're drilled into to, to get these societal norms of safety and security. How did you make sure that you didn't get sucked down that hole and go down that road and keep this kind of tenacious, ambitious excitement and allow your ambition to be the thing that drove you forward rather than other people's judgments? Well, I certainly had that. I left home very young, 16 years old. So my mum had MS and uh, she passed away. Um, and my dad and my stepmom, um, you know, asked me what I wanted to do. And so I, I said, I want to, at 16, I said, um, I want to, I want to, by the time I'm 21, have a business that turns £40,000 a year, live in a quarter million pound house. Um, and they said, well, that's not, I don't think that's very achievable. And I said, well, it is achievable and I am going to do it. And I did. So I left home and I built that for a number of reasons. See, when you've got nothing to lose, you can just go for it. You know, I was 16 years old, no family, wife, fiance, no children, no responsibilities. But I had this other key trait that successful people have and it always is their guiding light to be successful and that's hunger if you are hungry for something you will always find a way you know you will be resourceful you will understand it's not a lack of resources it's a lack of resourcefulness that builds success and what makes people happy and I've studied this and I've studied myself what really guides people through happiness is progress. And I felt along the way I was always progressing. 
And actually, my darkest moments, if I have those, and they happen very rarely, is if I feel like I'm not making progress. Um, success, you know, is is a, a short climax of a situation where you think, yes, I've done it. Then if progress goes, then you're like, oh, my God, I need something to progress to. So I always felt in the early days I was always progressing forward more than ever because you're starting from zero and just to have, you know, earning that first customer, um, having that first little win, you know, they're all so good because they'll keep on progressing you. Um, and I made some mistakes in our South Stretch Limousine Company. I had a chain of party shops. Um, we used to wholesale toys into smaller shops. You know, all those businesses, they really struggled. But I had a strong entertainment business that, that was very successful. So I doubled down into that. And, and the rest, as they say, is history. Did you ever find it hard with, like, I think something that so many people struggle with is their, their peers, their friends, their families, and the people yes. who are to them. Oh, yeah, absolutely, Samantha. Yeah, absolutely. So I just blocked them out. So, I, you know, my family are the mood hoovers that are surrounded by us, uh, usually because they love us. And they, I'm writing a new book at the moment. I've just wrote a whole chapter on this in this book called The Dream Team, that you become the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. So if you want to be a millionaire, hang around with millionaires. If you want to be, you know, happy, hang around with happy people. Um, if you're you know, if you can recognise some bad traits and you maybe you're a bit of a gossiper, maybe you're, um, you know, demotivated, you tend to start being attracted to those types of people, which are most people, by the way. Um, and so it's very hard to break away from family and friends that have been around you because of a time factor, not because they're the right people to be around. So I just exited those relationships. Um and I think that's probably quite difficult for a lot of people to do, but I did it. Um, now, I am in those relationships again, and I'm happy with those people, and they don't do that to me because I, if any of that happens, I just block the conversation and I won't have anything to do with it. But also, you elevate and then people look up to you. You go through this situation of, you know, everyone's pushing you down, then you prove them wrong, and then you're up there, then everyone wants to ask you. You have to get there. Um, and then people know that, you know, people say things to me and I'm quite blunt and I'll just say, well, no, I think you're wrong. And then I'll tell them why. And then they go, actually, that's a better way of thinking. Um, but you have to have some level of success about that. You know, you know, I am a big, do you know who Jim Rohn is, Samantha? Yeah. So, you know, that, that the average of the five people you spend most of your time with, that's a saying of his and another great saying of his and it's his start. Bang on the truth. There's never been a true word said, you want me to show me your future, show me your friends. And I'm like, yes, yes, Jim, that's the one. So true. That's the thing, though. The theory that you've just said, you start, everyone questions why you're doing it. Once it works, people want to know how you've done it. But it's that transition between the being at the bottom and people thinking this is ludicrous to actually you deciding that you're going to keep going and having that resilience to block that out. And then when you do get to a level of progress, success and sustainability that people then want to know how you've done that. Did you, obviously when you were young, you know, 16, 21, like these ages are so easily influenced at that age and we have nothing else to go on. There's no kind of ballpark to what to do at that age. And even from my own experience, when I was so 
I would do anything that pleased other people. And that's down to like my journey. But I was so worried about what everyone thought of me. And I was so worried about not being this person that people liked and enjoyed spending time with. Did you not, did, was there not a part of you that just wanted to just go out and be, a, have fun and be a teenager when you're building a business? No, no, I, sadly, I, I sacrificed my youth to build my business. So I didn't really have holidays until I was 27, 28. I worked seven days a week. I just cared about my business more than anything. And sadly, that's probably still, you know, I care about my family and my, my children and, and stuff, but I, I live to work and most people work to live. Um, and I've had to admit that's who I am. I literally can't stop thinking about it. It's it's like it's in my DNA, um, and I just always want to create and do more. Um, and then in those early days, um, that was all that mattered. Getting because I had nothing, you know, I couldn't, you know, go back home. I'd, you know, I had to build something around me because if you're hungry and there's a that that, that there's motivation, effort, energy, and enthusiasm, you you will succeed. What helps though is having some basic knowledge. Now, I think what what I I talk about the eight traits of great entrepreneurs. And one of those is commercial awareness, and you know, you can have effort, energy, and enthusiasm, but if you don't know some of the basics, like uh, just, you know, how many beans make five, as lots of farmers say, you, you know, you need to know how many beans make five, and that's commercial awareness. Um, and I did have some commercial awareness, sort of just naturally, I sold sweets at school, turned them into a profit. So there was, there was some natural awareness. Luckily, I, you know, I read a book when I was very young, called Richard Branson's Losing My Virginity. And I suppose that set the foundations for my business beliefs. Um, and then, you know, if a Dragon's Den book came out, I would read that. Um, but this was, this was, when was this, 2000 and, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004. So I wasn't aware of the personal development world. Um, I wasn't aware of YouTube. There wasn't podcasts. So what business books you could get were from famous celebrities and you would pick them up at the airport, you know. But still, I, you know, I devoured them and I picked up some basics. I put some of that stuff to practice. Um, and um, those things really helped you. And one of the biggest things that Richard Branson taught me, you know, in them early days of 16, reading that book was if you're not good at something, go and get someone else to do it, which breaks down all the fabric of what we're taught at school. I mean, you, well, you said you was a teacher, Samantha, you know, I think there's a reason why 35% self-made millionaires in this country are dyslexic. And part of that reason is... Um, those 35%, I said, well, if you can't do it this way, we'll find another way to do it. But if you're not dyslexic at school, he's like, you try, try again. And if you first don't succeed, try, try again, all that sort of stuff. But dyslexic people are like, well, I can't do this very easily. So I'm going to have to find a route around. And it's weird. So many super successful people are dyslexic because I think they're trained from a young age to be resourceful. Hmm. And so it they get this DNA fabric of, well, I'll be successful. You know, Richard Branson, dyslexic. Bill Gates, dyslexic. Um, you know, the list can go on and on and on. You have to find a different way to solve the problems. And you have to be quick at finding the way, otherwise you get left behind. So, you know, I think what starts out as a curse 
for loads of young kids and stuff that dyslexic thing if they can find out it actually becomes a cure to solving so many of life's problems um and so he he taught me very early on i read this and he said look if you can't do something you just buy it in and so i thought yeah i don't you know i left home i don't really like cleaning the house i don't really like doing administration I could buy that in and then I could spend more time on sales and marketing. So I employed a lady called Jean. I don't know what it was back then, paid her four, five pound an hour. All of a sudden, I had another 25 hours a week. So I put that to what I call higher value tasks now. So I got rid of all the low value tasks, done all the higher value tasks. Um, and, and so it went on and then, you know, I then created what I now teach what I call is E plus M equals S. So this is the formula for success. It's entrepreneurship plus management equals success. And so I would then seek at that very young age, like looking for who's going to be the MD of my business. So when I talk, I talk about the entrepreneur's pyramid and, you know, you're rising through the levels of business. So you start down the bottom as a, a technician, a worker in your business, maybe you're a plumber. The next stage is being a managing director of plumbers and the next stage is being the owner, the shareholder even if you're a 100% shareholder. So I wanted to rise through that entrepreneur's pyramid, which I call the start as solopreneur, then into entrepreneur, then into investorpreneur. So I want to build something. This was my mindset even back then. I need to build something to sell, even if I have no intention of selling it. What do people want to buy? Well, you know, Samantha, we spoke before we came on air that you're interested in property. I'll tell you the reason you're interested in property is because you see it as an investment not as the business. You don't see that you're buying a problem. You see you're parking your money and it will give you a return. That's another reason why I love property. You know, so I always tell people that, you know, what, why would someone invest in your business? Do they see your business as a Google, as a Facebook? Or do they see that they're buying a job, which most people are selling, a profitable job? Or are they buying a profitable business, which few achieve, but there are a lot more of them? And then lastly, can't you build it into an investment? Would a venture capitalist like to buy this? Would a pension fund like to buy this? And so I noticed the problems in my business, for example, my leisure business, or my first business children's entertainment business you know no venture capitalist is going to buy into a bunch of clowns literally that's what it was <laughs> number two so I need to then build an agency. Then I built an events business. And I thought, no, again, this is all a swapping time for money business. Uh, and so that's when I opened my first venue when I was 21. I got together sort of £700,000 from multiple different lenders. And we built a million pound revenue business. And this was the first time in that year when I was 21 that I'd had something that could work without me on a day-to-day basis. We built that up as a chain. And then I realised that there were some real problems with that business. It was so weather dependent. You know, if the sun shone, we made no money. If it rained, we made loads of money. There was no regular income. And I always say, look, you know, when you can get a customer to interact with you four times, the rule of four, um, I thought, I need to be able to get them in at least four times for them to fall in love with us. Like people that, you know, kids watching Paw Patrol, they watch four episodes, they're in. Um, or they play a video game four times, they're in. Uh, you rent a house out. By day four, you don't just want to move out or buy a house, you know, or go to school. Day four, you're in. So what I did is I took my leisure business and start building day nurseries on them because that was a more sustainable business. And then it stopped feeling like a business and now it felt like something that someone would invest in. And since I've done those moves, people regularly call me and say, can I buy your business? Um, because they see it as an investment, not a business. And what I, 
I really worry about business owners and what I find really sad about them is they're putting their blood, sweat, energy, effort and enthusiasm to build profitable jobs. They get to 65 years old and then they go, right, I'm going to exit my business now. And then they've got nothing to sell. And that to me is very, very sad. And you've taken on all that stress, risk, anxiety. You're much better being in employment and rising the corporate ladder, being number two or three in a company. And uh, that, that's what I'm on a mission to help business owners work out how to do that. Now, there's two types of successful businesses. There is what I call a boutique business or a big business, and everything else just doesn't work. So you go through the startup phase, then you go into the struggle phase, then you go into the boutique phase, then you go into what we call the shippreneur. This is the, the bit where you're mid, you know, the middle size business, you know, sort of over trading, you, you're burning cash, and then at the, the top level is scale. Um, so the boutique thing is a business that turns about two million pounds. You can extract, you know, up to half a million pounds out of business, sometimes more depending on the sector. And then you can invest that cash into maybe Facebook, Google, Disney, or into property, or you go on to the next level. It's the same, like the best way to describe this is restaurants. You either have one restaurant, five restaurants, 15 restaurants, or 50 restaurants. There is these levels in life where you're in the middle gap, where you can't afford the right level of people. So if you've got five restaurants, can you afford a finance director that you will absolutely need? Probably not until you get to 15 restaurants, for example. Um, Then when you've got 20 restaurants, you might think, right, I need an in-house legal team. But if we had 50 restaurants, this would be so easy and so affordable, but we can't afford it at this level. And so you go through these little steps. Um, I call it the business life journey, um, and it's a bit much for a podcast. I need a flip chart to draw it out, really. But um, th- those are the, the the issues that I've always come across. But the, the, the fundamental rule is you need to become an investorpreneur. And the difference between an entrepreneur and investor are very simple. An entrepreneur is looking for opportunities, and investors looking for profit. That's why I fused the two together, and we're now looking for profitable opportunities. I think I'll let you get in there now. Love that. No, to be honest, I find it so interesting, and it is, I think, there's so much to be said for conversations over things that we can read. You know, like you said, I, I read loads of books, but when you actually speak to someone and hear their take on something, their perspective, like their experience, it's just, there's just so much more in that than I know I've got them. Yeah. After the talk, he James just showed me his books. But after your talk, I bought your book. It's on my bookshelf, which is behind me. Um, which one? The Experience Business. Oh, this Let me is... grab it. So you'll you'll hear some rustling. So I'm going to my bookshelf. Here it is. Yeah. So so the the best part of this book is actually page three, um, which just talks about what I just spoke about there. The traits of a great business, and this is. These, if, if you can, there's some bullet points on page three, and then this chapter explains it. Um, can I read them? Yeah. I'll leave you a link as well so you can get this book because, yeah, I bought it as soon as James spoke. But these are the questions. So it says, 
The rules allow me to deliver what I want. Great customer experience. To deliver great customer experience, I need to be consistent. So I need a great team to make sure that happens. To build a great team, I need decent profits. And to ensure those profits long-term, I need a business that knows what it's doing and where it's going. So look at the rules and ask yourself these questions. Can I scale the business? Is the business capital intensive? Is there a chance for high price tag profitable sales? Is there a chance for residual income? Is it a me too business or one with high barrier to entry? Is there a margin in the business? Will people want to buy it? How much capital will I need to scale the business up? Is there a need for the business? That's that's so important. Is there a need for the business? After the initial setup, will it be easy to find management? And again, like I said, that's literally just some of the questions, but I'll leave you a link so that you can um, buy the book. And also classic on page two, Richard Branson quote, which by the way, James, which we haven't spoken about, but there are two people that I always talk about and Richard Branson is one. And Who's he, the other one? Karen Brady. All right. Uh, business opportunities are like buses. Brady's not a proper entrepreneur, is she? No, but I love her energy. I love her... Um, I just love her, what she exudes, you know? So whenever I have a problem or I have a challenge in business or I have something that upsets me, I always say to my husband, Karen Brady would not be sat at home doing this. Like, what would she be doing? Even though I don't know her, she could be doing that. But in my head, I just have this, she's just got such a, a good level of poise and she's just so you know she's done so well for her journey so I have they're, they're my two Richard Branson and Karen um, Cam Brady but I want to ask you another question I hope I'm going to be number three going forward <laughs> but I want to ask you another question because people listening to this you've got so much knowledge and you do obviously you've been doing this long a long time so and obviously you've built up so many four years older than you girl yeah but I didn't want to say you've been doing it for like 18 years or something like that it sounds I have, I have, yeah yeah I know so um also that's so funny as well when you say that you're younger than Luke crazy you know and you actually compare your husband yeah 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 yes husband. your husband he's 36 in like 10 days from filming this podcast oh when you're listening to this, we won't be in this time, but we were supposed to be in Peru and Bolivia for his birthday. So you're supposed Not to now. Yeah, so you're supposed to be in the Amazon. Bless him. <laughs> Send him lots of love. Bless him. Um, anyway, so my next, my question was, so yeah, you've got so much experience, so much in exactly why I made myself known to you. I was like, he's just, you're just so normal, but you've got so much of what so many people aspire to create. You know, yeah. like whether it is the business, the empires, the staff, the money, the, the lifestyle, the knowledge, whatever it might be, there's just so much that you have created that people spend their lifetime trying to build. And that's the reality of it. Some people do spend their lifetime trying to create this entity, this, you know, empire. But has there ever been a point? Well, let me tell you something. The, the, what, what the difference is, what I learned very quickly is most people... Imagine you're building a house. This is what most business owners are doing, and this is the perfect analogy for it. Business owners are building a house without a set of architectural plans, and they eventually cobble cobble it together by the time they get to retirement or the house doesn't get built, one of those two things. The smart ones have an architectural plan. Therefore, they build their house a lot quicker and sell it. That is the thing that we can learn from institutional private investors and venture capitalists. Before they put their money in, there's an architectural plan. 
And it makes perfect sense. And that's why I quite like regulated businesses now. I started off, they were completely unregulated. It was a, you know, it was a clown code. That is literally what it was. You know, we were unregulated. We could do what we like. But when I look at businesses like accountants, solicitors, um, banks, day nurseries, schools, they're regulated and they have a regulator, whatever it might be, Ofsted or the Chartered Institute of Accountants, whatever it is. Um, and regulated businesses are always more valuable. So, you know, when you go down those the rules, the last rule before the end is there a need for the business. Since writing this book, I have expanded that theory into what I call love, want, and need. When you find a business that follows those three elements, where they love it, they want it, and they need it, you have made it big time. So, for example, a private school, a day nursery, parents love their children going to school. They want their children going to school. The children need to go to school. So even in a type Sainsbury's, people love food. They want food, they need food, marks and spits, whatever. So even in these times of, you know, we're recording this, I know this will be out probably for years, but we're recording this in the midst of coronavirus 19 here in the United Kingdom. People, no matter what, are still going out buying food and mm-hmm. food sales are up 42% and they're finding ways of educating their children because they see it as a loved one and need. The other one is this thing, you know, that, that your listeners can't see, but I'm holding up my iPhone. What Apple have done so spectacularly well is taken a product that people want and love, but they've also tanked on the need. So if our iPhone breaks, you know, we are breaking quarantine to solve the problem. Like we will drive to someone's house and borrow one or whatever. It's become a, a love, want and need product. And so... Um, most businesses usually only have two of those elements. They need it and they want it or they love it and they want it, but they don't need it. Um, and those, and if you can get all three, oh, my God. Even if, you, you know, what people, I don't know, they want to be healthy, they need to be healthy, but they don't necessarily love the lifestyle of becoming healthy. Um, yeah, and, and so it goes on, you know, like a Louis Vuitton handbag, loads of women love them, they want them, but they don't need them. But I suppose some women would say they do need them, I suppose, but they, they, you, you get the idea. Okay, so I know that people have got so much value from this already, from the business side of it, but I do want to ask you one more question before we do a quiz, which I like to do, around more to do with the journey and the you know the the challenges because I know you know you touched on it but of course there have been some and I think as well as being really knowledgeable and experienced in what you do has there been a time where you things went wrong or something didn't work the way you wanted it to there was this element of struggle and no you didn't ever question being an entrepreneur and and it's in your bones but did you ever have this time where you just thought this is just so much harder than I wanted it to be. What have you done for your mindset or your habits or your thoughts when you've ever been in that sort of situation where the challenge has posed questions and potentially made you sort of have to reassess things? Oh, I've had plenty of those times, um, um, plenty of them. Um, how how do I go overcome them? Is that the question you want me to answer? Yeah. What do you? How do you not take it personally? I think that's the first one because that's a big problem for so many. How do you not take it personally? Like I'm a bad businessman. I've made the wrong decisions. I'm not cut out for this. This isn't for me. 
And the second thing, how do you move past that and think, I'm just going to come back stronger. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to bounce back. Okay, so there's two things here. One is you've got to have bounceability. So usually the biggest problems in the world are solved within two weeks. And if they're not, then that is a big problem. But most things are solved within two weeks. So, for example, you lose a big client and it takes away 50% of your revenue. Within two weeks, you can sort it out. Usually you've managed to speak to the bank and say, look, we're going to go out there and we're going to find a new big client or multiple clients so that never happens again um, because you were foolish enough to make your business rely on one big client and you've learned from it. Um, so most things are sorted out within two weeks. So what human beings do is day one problem comes, they know by day 14 in the back of the mind it's going to be sorted out. Why put yourself through 14 days of stress? Solve it within two days or one day. So if I have a bad day, um, I am lucky that usually I wake up in the morning with the resolve and I can sort it out. So if bad news comes, what I do is get out of the environment um, I do not stay in my regular environment to try and solve the problem because I find getting out of environment, change of scenery, change of surroundings, change of people, usually sitting on my own. Here, I mean, here's what I do. I mean, even if it's just going to cost a coffee. And I had a situation like this about six months ago. You know, something happened and I was like, this has really pissed me off. So I just go, I get my iPhone and I listen to Frank Sinatra for about 20 minutes with my headphones on. And then usually I've come out of it and I don't know why it's Frank that I choose as my go-to crooner. Um, but, yeah, and then, and then I come out of it, and I always have one of these, you know, a notebook. I write things down, um, and I don't, you know, I dump it all down. And, you know, one side I write reasons to be happy, another side I write reasons not to be happy, and I write the list, and then I look down and go, actually, I've got so many things to be happy about. And then I look down that that negative list or that challenge list, if you like. And then I, you know, tick them off one by one. What makes life so much easier is when you've got great management around you from a business point of view. Um, you know, management make a company. You know, entrepreneurs start a company, but managers make it. They build it. You know, entrepreneurs say, this is where we're going to go. Management say, this is how we're going to get there. And uh, <coughs> that's why I don't think I've had many of those moments because I've always had a fantastic support network by my employees. And next bit. So have you ever taken something personally and, and doubted yourself in business? And what have you done in that situation? I have doubted myself, you know, at times, but they're, they're, they're very short-lived, um, which probably sounds so like I've got some massive ego, but... The, the bigger, the more things that you deal with and overcome, the, the better you get at knowing that it's only a temporary thing. And if you're not prepared to quit, you'll never lose. And I just will not quit. And that's probably foolish. Another one of my favourite quotes is from Steve Jobs. He says, most people give up because they're sane. And, yeah, there's probably some insanity around successful entrepreneurs and people is because they will not give up where everyone else will and the people that give up are probably happier more rounded people but there's there is something about super successful people that you just think why why are you doing that and and it's just dna i think it comes down to like i will never ever quit mm. even in the face of adversity and that is a i think a problem you know, I, I am who I am. Yeah, to be honest with you, though, I said this the other day on social media. Um, 
I'm exactly the same. Like there's an element of, it's an inner knowing. That's what I try and explain to people. You know, of course you go through those periods of time where you think, is this, is this the right thing to do? Like, is this worth it? Is this worth all the hours or whatever it might be for anyone? You know, is this worth the sacrifice? But I always say there's an inner knowing, like I know, like no matter what, and obviously, you know, we've mentioned Corona, that's so hard for so many, you know, so many businesses, so many individuals, so many entrepreneurs. It's a really big change. But I was talking about this on my social media the the other day. It's exactly what you said. I know I'm here for the long haul. That's it. I'm not going anywhere in business. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going back to teaching, not because I don't love teaching or because I think I'm, you know, better than that. But I just know, I just have this knowing that this is what I'm meant to be doing. And whatever that road takes me down, the good and the bad, I'm not going to be getting off the road. Uh, And I also say as well that if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. And then there wouldn't be this sense of real gumption to be getting and achieving and, and moving in that direction because everyone would be there too. So I think that's really important. If if you were to describe yourself in three words, yeah. and, and it's not, I asked this question before, it's not three words that make a sentence. It's like three individual words. What would those three words be? But I'd like to make it harder. Yeah. Can I have three words as James the businessman and three words as James the person, you know, outside of the businesses, whoever it is, you know, the family man, the the partner, whatever, but three as you as the business and three as you as a person. That's a... Three words uh, for the business person, I would say um, opportunity seeker. Well, that's two, isn't it? I can't have that. Opportunist, you could have. Opportunist, yeah, I have that one. Um, I would, um, a word for putting people together, whatever that would be, um, and a collector, not a very good seller. So I'm quite a good collector. I like collecting stuff and never selling it, which is a problem for, you know, that I would, if, if you really want to be super successful, you have to sell stuff. Um, when I, I don't mean products or services, but I mean sell businesses. Yeah. You know, that, that's what I mean. Um, and then me as a person, um, I like to think I'm understanding of people. Um, I'm unorganised. <laughs> and slash late to everything really I'd never have said that I hate getting up I'm, you know everyone wants to get up before the birds I'm like no I want to get up when it's off peak thank you very much <laughs> I hate I think I hate all of that stuff you know but you know everyone that's super successful I get up at five o'clock in the morning uh, and I'm like mate, mate this is the only ego time I'll, I, I feel like saying some I've got 10 times what you've got and I've done 10 times more than what you've done. And I don't get up at five o'clock. No, thank you. Uh, so to me, to me, that one of the top levels of super success is sleep and then everything underneath it. You know, if you, if you sleep and you get decent sleep, you can tackle so much more in the world. Um, but that, that, so I've gone on there. So understanding, um, maybe not structured as a personal person. I'm not structured businessly and, um, uh, from business and a personal perspective. And then the third one, um, I can be quite um, 
although I'm understanding, I can be quite, I like to be on my own as well. So I don't, you know, I can, I could spend a whole weekend without people. I love people at the same time. So although I might seem quite extrovert as an individual, especially if you see me speak or, you know, being on a podcast or on a video, but I love, I've got this sort of bipolar personality where I love being on my own. So similar. And I love people at the same time. What star sign are you? What do you think? No, I don't want to, I, Gemini? Yeah, I am a Gemini. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. June the 20th, when's yours? 14th, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought so because I'm so similar. Like, But do you know what I find interesting? This is why I asked you this because I don't ask this question. I haven't asked this question actually. Only one person I've interviewed because all of the things that I am attracted to you for are not the things that you have recognised in yourself as your like top qualities. So things like... I would say, bearing in mind, I don't actually like know you, um, but the fact that you're super genuine, you just say it how it is, like you, you very much like this is what you get. There's no kind of like false show about it. It's just that, that, like the fact that didn't come up. And I thought that would have been maybe one, like the genuine, authentic kind of like no, no, no BS, you know, that. The energy like your enthusiasm, your enthusiastic positive, like that kind of vibrant. But it's interesting how the, the words that you use are never the words that people see in you. But that's the reason I've done that is I think that's really important for other people to see as well. Our perception of ourselves and what people perceive of us is often not the same thing, which is a good thing sometimes, but it's just, yeah, I can't believe that. Loads, of, loads of comedians and actors and actresses, you know, you see them on stage, they're, oh my, I mean... Met Lee Evans, you know, a few times lives near us. I mean, anyone that see him on stage and call, what a hoot to go out with he would be. And then you meet him, you know, and he's so quiet, so reserved, and like so many great comedians. And I'm, because it's it, it is an act, you know, and there is no way anyone could put that level of energy and enthusiasm. And then on the other hand, I've met loads of people in life, like all of us, who think, oh, God, they're fantastic. They're like, got something. And then you say to them, well, why don't you do something on the stage? Oh, I couldn't stand up in front of people. And they're like, no. And then they, they dry up. I mean, I've seen someone that's one of the funniest people I ever knew. They had to give a best man speech for this is going to be fantastic. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible, you know, just and then we've all had them other moments in life where we've known that real quiet person, and then they get up on stage and whoa, hello, where did you come from? You know, like I imagine, you know, uh, you probably see it loads in teaching, you know. Oh, like, hopefully. It's all an act. Yeah. It's all an act. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now I'm just gonna do a quiz before we finish. Yeah. These are the rules. Yeah. You can't have both. You can't have neither, and you can't justify. Can't have both, can't have neither, and you can't justify, okay? Yeah. Oh, my God, I can't believe you're a Gemini as well. But anyway, right, so are you ready? Yeah. You either have to sprint everywhere or crawl everywhere. Crawl. Yeah, okay. You either always are too hot and sweating or too cold and shivering? <laughs> too hot and sweating. Okay. There's five of these. 
So, okay, the next one. You can only communicate through singing or you can only communicate through writing letters. Singing. Yeah, I need to say that. Okay, next one. You can only feel, but you can't taste, or you can only taste, but you can't touch. Feel. Yeah. Okay, last one. You can either time travel, but you can only go forwards. You can't go back in time. So you can only go forwards in time, and then you can come back to where you were. Or read minds when you choose to. Time travel forwards, definitely. Don't want to read people's minds. No, thank you. Really? What about if you were like negotiating a new business and you wanted to like hear what they would say? All of the funny. I thought we weren't allowed to justify this. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's well, true. I could just go forward, couldn't I, a couple of weeks and see what the outcome would be and then come back. So get the best of both worlds of that yeah, that's, one. That's true. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I've had such a nice time talking to you, and obviously, this one of the best. Usually, I, I do so many of these, but this has definitely been one of the most fun that I've been involved in. I have to say, James, what can I say? Listen, it's something I pride myself on. So I'm glad you said that. I, and I never re- really recommend podcasts, but I will recommend. Yeah, they all like this. I'm going to go and check them out. Are you going to go and check mine out, by the way? I've already, I've already done that. And also, when I wanted to get you on, um, obviously, I had to email like James's team, and they said, "Can we have a link to the podcast?" And I was thinking, "Oh my god, they're going to like stalk all the episodes." But I was like, "Crack on!" Yeah, yeah. Well, don't forget to try my Entrepreneurs University, please, for free for two yeah, weeks. Yeah, I will. I will. I'm going to net. And then you can let me know. Well, then just cancel it. I don't care. Um, but then you can let me know what you think of our back end and all of that stuff because it's flipping fantastic. It's, it's just me. Have me as your coach without the, the big price tag. <laughs> as he did that, he pulled his waistcoat forward. Yeah, right. um, yeah, okay. I'll put your Instagram, your james.net, and the link to the book as well so people can obviously yeah. buy that. The, the real thing that I put loads of effort into as well is YouTube. Like, there's 450 videos for free to help you grow your business. Yeah. So if you want Also, on a side note before we finish, just because if you ever need anyone to be the audio voice of reading the book, I mean, I'm available, just saying. Well, have you not heard my book? It's me. Yeah, I know. But just because I read it on the podcast and I was like, you know, if you ever need anyone to do a voiceover, more than happy to oblige. <laughs> There we go. Great talking to you, darling. Thank you. Thank you so much. To your continued success. Running a business can be hard. And running a business alone as a solopreneur is even harder. If you are fed up of figuring it out on your own, making mistakes and struggling alone, trying to learn as you go, taking one step forward and feel like you take two steps backwards, there is always more that we can learn together. The BMA is the place for you. I'm extending a warm invite for you to join the place for female entrepreneurs to support and empower one another, to seek high level coaching and mentorship from me and to have access to invaluable resources, templates and worksheets for you to succeed, scale your businesses and grow together. As an affordable, low investment every month, the BMA couldn't be more perfect for you. The Bold Moves Academy is focused at coaching female entrepreneurs in what they need most to accelerate their business and make the progress they deserve. Building a successful business doesn't have to be lonely and it certainly doesn't have to be complicated. I can't wait to see you inside the BMA today.